We are on the next Mishnah on Yud Gimel Amar Aleph, page 13a1 in the Art Scroll Gemara. Uh, just uh, a quick review, since this Mishnah is somewhat related to the previous Mishnah, we are dealing with different situations where there is a disagreement between the husband and the wife with regards to the value of the Ksuba. And this is due to the fact that uh, the husband finds out after they're married that uh, she uh, didn't have uh, the hymen. She, whether whether it's that she was no longer a virgin, that she had sexual relations before the marriage or during the engagement, um, all of this are, are different scenarios that we've been discussing. Um, so, in the last Mishnah, what was the dispute about? So she makes the claim: "You owe me two hundred. Why? You owe me two hundred because uh, it's true that at the time of the wedding." Um, I I uh, already had sexual relations in the past, but that was between the engagement and the marriage, and it wasn't adultery because I was raped. I was raped, and that's why it happened, and that's her claim. He makes the claim uh, that no, it happened even before the engagement, and I had to know about it. You didn't tell me about it. Um, I had to know that uh, that you weren't a virgin, um, and so therefore you shouldn't get two hundred. Um, you shouldn't get the full 200. Maybe she should get 100 or nothing, uh, but she shouldn't get the full 200. So she's making the claim that she should receive the full 200, and he's saying, no, you shouldn't get the full 200. Uh, so that was that was subject to debate. That was a dispute in the Mishnah. Uh, Rabbi Gamliel said that we do believe her. We believe her, and the Gemara explains for various reasons. Number one, she's saying it with certainty. Uh, she's making her claim with certainty. Uh, he doesn't know. He really doesn't know. Number two is that she has a chazaka. The status quo is that uh, nothing has changed until the last point in time. And so therefore, the status quo would be that um, she something happened after the engagement and not before the engagement. And number three is the fact that also she has a migu. She could have made a... There's a certain argument that you could say that we should believe her claim because she had a better claim to make. She could have made a better claim. What's that better claim? She could have said that, no, forget about anything to do with rape. She could have made the claim that uh, the hymen was removed from some external source outside the context of sexual relations. And that alone would have allowed her to ma- to get married to a Kohen. We would let her get married to a Kohen as a result of that. If she says that she was raped, so then she's not allowed to be married to a Cohen. She 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 had a better claim to make for herself, um, and so she didn't make that claim. So that's an argument to say the fact that she didn't make that claim, even though she could have, is really there to tell us that uh, we should really believe her. Otherwise, she could have made the better claim. So it must be that she's telling the truth. Um, so for all those reasons, we say that we should believe her. Rabbi Yeshua argues. Rabbi Yeshua says that we don't. Uh, we don't believe her. We believe him. Why do we believe him? So the simple explanation that we believe him is that um, the the money is by him. You need to have good proof. You need to have good proof to extract the money from him, which is what she's trying to do. And she can't do that. She doesn't have sufficient proof uh, to really do that. None of the none of the proofs that we've brought for her um, is is sufficient enough. We don't in general. We don't say. That a migu is, is sufficient to extract money from somebody. Um, and also, the chazaka 
the fact that the, it's in his possession overrides any other status quo. Um, and uh, Bari Vishema doesn't help the fact that she's saying it with certainty and he doesn't really know that will not impact anything. So we have that major dispute. Um, the Mishnah now, the next Mishnah, the Mishnah that we're going to be discussing now on Yad Gimel and Aleph, has a different argument between the husband and the wife. Um, and this requires a little bit of background. Um, essentially, uh, she's going to be making the claim that uh, some external source caused basically the same situation, right? Um, the, uh, the husband finds out after they get married that uh, she didn't have any Dam Basulam, there was no blood, and there was, therefore there was no hymen um, present at the time of the wedding. And she makes the claim that, yeah, you're right, but it wasn't because I had sexual relations before the marriage. It was because I am a mukaseit. I'm a mukaseit, meaning uh, some external source removed the hymen. Um, and he makes the claim that no, it happened from you having sexual relations with somebody before the marriage. Both claims are talking about something which happened before the mar- meaning before the marriage, before the engagement. We're not discussing about any situation which is happening between the engagement and the marriage. Both claims are claiming that something happened before the engagement. She's making the claim that it was from some external source. He's making the claim that it was from sexual relations. Um, now, if you recall, we've had a discussion already about how much she should receive if there was an external source that, that removed the hymen. Um, and uh, basically, Rav Meir says that she still receives the full 200. The majority of the Rabbanan say that she receives 100. And there's the third opinion that said that if he never knew about it, so then, and it comes up after the marriage, so then she re- she should receive nothing. Now, obviously, that can't be the case of the Mishnah, right? Because the Mishnah is her making a claim, saying, I'm a Mukazet. She's making the claim and saying that I, that what happened to me was that uh, some external source removed the hymen, um, and that is, therefore, I should receive something. So it can't. it's clearly not going within that opinion that says that if he didn't know about it, so then she, re- she should receive nothing. Because then what claim is she making? She's making a claim that she should receive nothing. doesn't make any sense. So it must be that we're going against that opinion. The Mishnah is a proof against that opinion. And really, it just ends up being either 200 or 100. According to her mayor, she should receive the full 200. And according to the majority, she should receive a full 100. Um, now, that dispute, whether she receives 200 or 100, is, is going to impact um, how much he is trying to uh, save from having to give her. Uh, when he makes the claim that says that no, you had sexual relations before you got engaged, therefore what? What's, what's, and, uh, and so what? How much does she get anything? In such a scenario, does she not get anything? Well, it should really depend, and this is what the Gemara is going to get into. It should really depend how you understand the Mishnah. If she's making the claim that, listen, I'm a Mukas Eitz, um, and therefore I should receive 200 like of Mayer. So then he could be possibly making the claim, no, you should be getting 100. In a situation where you had sexual relations before the engagement, um, and I didn't know about it, so then, then I should be saving myself 100. Possibly even nothing, but, but uh, there's a, it's at least possible to interpret the Mishnah to say that she should still receive 100. However, if you take the approach in the Mishnah that she's making the claim, it happened before the engagement that there was some external uh, source that removed the hymen, and therefore I should receive 100 according to the Rabbanan. So then what's his claim? He's claiming less than that, so it must be zero. 
So then it must be that his claim is saying that, well, if I never knew about the fact that, um, uh, about the fact that his claim is that she had sexual relations before the engagement, so then she should really receive nothing. That's what he's claiming. And so depending, it's a very important point, depending on how much she's claiming and how much she should receive based on her claim, that will directly impact what his claim, how we understand his claim, right? How we understand his claim and what position is the Mishnah taking, um, right? We have to understand what is the position of the Mishnah and what the position of the Mishnah is depends upon how you understand what she's claiming, and the, which is a dispute between her mayor and the majority and the Rabbana. So we haven't really read anything inside yet. So let's see this inside. She says, so we have the following situation where he finds out he, after they uh, they get married that there's no hymen present. So she says it was through an injury uh, that uh, happened before, let's say before the wedding, before the engagement. No, it was through an act of sexual relations. So it's the same people, same people as the last Mishnah. Rabbi Gamliel says, we believe her. She's believed. Rabbi Shua says, no. He says, Rabbi Shua says, no, it's not true. Uh, we don't trust her um, because we assume that she had sexual relations and we trust him. So we believe him. So again, the Gemara now is going to try to figure out, well, what are they... According to the Mishnah, what are, what are they actually asking for? What is she asking for? What is he asking for? And also, why would we believe one versus the other? So let's see the Gemara. We're on the bottom of 13A1 in the Arshul of Gemara, in the first column. Tana Bemai. What are their claims? How much are they asking for? Rabbi Yochanan Amar Bemasayimumana. Rabbi Lazar Amar Bemanavaloklom. Rabbi Yochanan. It's a dispute. What we just mentioned in the introduction is subject to dispute. Rabbi Yochanan says... She is demanding 200, and he is demanding 100. Rabbi Lezer says, no, take it down a notch. She is demanding 100, and he is demanding that I shouldn't have to pay anything, zero. I should pay absolutely nothing. What is their argument based upon? So the Gemara continues. Rabbi Yochanan, Amar b'masayimumana. She's claiming 200, and he's claiming 100. Why? Savar like Rameyer. Damar ben hikirba ben lo hikirba masayim. Because... She is following her mayor. She's saying, I was a Mukas 8. Uh, the hymen was based off of uh, an injury. And so therefore, I should really receive 200 like her mayor. Whether or not the husband knew about it. And Rebbe Lazar says that no. She, she's only claiming 100. Why? She's only receiving 100 because the Mishnah is following the position of the majority. The majority position is that when she makes the claim Mukas 8, she should really only see, receive 100. Okay, and that's that's part of their argument. And the Gemara further analyzes their argument. Moving on to 13a2. Bishlama Rabbi Lazar I understand why Rabbi Lazar said that the Mishnah is like the majority, that she's claiming 100 and against Rameyer, uh, who would say 200? Why? It makes sense to say that the Mishnah is like the majority. Because in general, we want the Mishnah to fit with the majority opinion. The question is on Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan, my time Rabbi Yochanan, why did you go out of your way to explain the Mishnah like Rav Meir? Rav Meir says that she's making a claim of Mukasates and therefore she should receive 200. Why did you do that? 
Why did you explain the Mishnah like Rav Meir? What forced you to do that? So the Gemara answers, again we're on 13a2 on the first column, the Gemara answers, for the following reason, because Rabbi Yochanan holds, Kasavar, Kinasa, Bechaskas, Besula, Venimtes, Beula, Yeshlek, Suba, Mana, Hachahu, Kamer, Mana, Vihikam, Ramana, Maika, Ben, Taina, Didei, Latina, Dida. He says as follows, I'll explain exactly why I came to my conclusion that the Mishnah is the opinion of a mayor. Because I also hold the following, says Rabbi Yochanan. I hold that if if he thinks that she never had sexual relations before the marriage and she actually and she he finds out later that she did, I hold that she still receives one hundred. She still receives one hundred. So she he's definitely making the claim, I I owe you a hundred. I owe you a hundred. Well, if there's an argument here, so then what's her claim? Her claim obviously has to be more than a hundred. Must be that Mukas eight, according to the opinion of the Mishnah, is that she should receive two hundred, which is the position of Rav Meir. So, if you're like Rabbi Yochanan who says that he's making the claim that that I only owe you one hundred because I didn't realize that she had sexual relations before the marriage, so then she's making the claim I really should get two hundred because I'm a Mukas eight like Rav Meir. But if you hold like Rabbi Lazar, that Rabbi Lazar says that the husband is claiming, I never knew about this, I never knew that you had sexual relations, therefore you should get nothing, zero. So then you have the ability to explain the Mishnah like the majority. You could say her claim of Mukas 8 is really to get 100, like the majority opinion. So we really have a double dispute here. There's a double dispute between Rabbi Lazar and, um, and Rabbi Yochanan as to... Uh, both both positions. How much is she claiming and how much is he, cl- he claiming? We have one dispute about how much does a Mukas 8 receive? 200 or 100. And then we have another dispute about um, how much uh, is he is he claiming when he says, I never knew about the fact that you had sexual relations. Is it 100 or is it nothing? Okay. So that's what the Gemara says. A few more lines in the Gemara here. I can understand according to Rabbi Lazar. Why do we have two Mishnayos? Why do we have this Mishnah that we're discussing here and the previous Mishnah? The previous Mishnah is about a totally different claim, about a claim about whether or not uh, the, air, the, the, the rape happened during the engagement or before the engagement. And that, that was the argument between the husband and the wife. So according to Rabbi Lazar, I can understand why we have both Mishnayos. Our Mishnah, we didn't have both Mishnahs. You really could, could have just had one, and then you would have understood the positions of Rabbi Gamliel and Rabbi Yeshua about Bari Vishema, where you make a claim with, uh, you know, that with certainty, versus the other position that doesn't know with certainty, and all the other ramifications. You could have had that all within one case, and we would have learned, to, learned it out to the other case. Why do we need both? Because each one is teaching us something new. Our mission that we're discussing right now on Yid Gimel Manalath on 13a is teaching you that we do not follow the position that says that if we didn't know that she was a Mukas 8, if he didn't know, the husband didn't know that she was a Mukas 8, she should get nothing. No, we don't follow that position because it's clear she gets something. She's making that claim. It's clear that she gets something. So we need the Mishnah to teach us that, um, that rule. We also need... Why do we need the previous Mishnah? Let us just have our Mishnah on Yud Gimel on 13a. Why do we have the previous Mishnah? We need the previous Mishnah to tell us that in a situation where the husband is making the claim 
that she uh, she had sexual relations, even if she was raped before the marriage, um, that um, she should receive absolutely nothing based on that claim, and to the exclusion of the position that says that she still receives one hundred. So we need our Mishnah to teach us about the situation of Mukas Eitz, where he didn't realize that she was a Mukas Eitz, um, that she still receives 100. And we need the previous Mishnah to teach you the law that if he's making the claim that something happens, she engaged in, in um, sexual activity before the marriage, that she gets nothing. And therefore we need both Mishnahs to teach us about both of those laws. Elul Rabbi Yochanan Tarti Lamali all that makes sense according to Rabbi Lazar. But Rabbi Yochanan, what does Rabbi Yochanan hold? Rabbi Yochanan hold that actually if you thought that uh, she was a virgin and ended up being that she wasn't a virgin, that she had sexual relations, you still get a hundred. Right? You still get a hundred. So I don't need both Mishnayas. All I can have is the Mishnah by us and you give them a on 13a. That Mishnah will teach us also this, um, this uh, opinion that says that even though the husband didn't know that she was a mukazeh, she should still receive the full amount. And that's it. That's all you need to know. And have the whole dispute between Rabbi Gamliel, Rabbi Gamliel and Rabbi Yeshua, which is a dispute about all these other issues of Bari Vishema, um, of Migu, all these other issues um, would be part of the dispute, but we don't need both Mishnayos. So to this, the Gemara answers, no. We do need both Mishnayos. Both Mishnayos are integral. There's an important difference between the two Mishnayos. In the first Mishnah, We need the first Mishnah. In the first Mishnah, in the previous Mishnah on, on 12b, that case was a case where she, the wife, not only does she know with certainty and he doesn't, but she also has a Migu. Because she, she could have made the claim, believe me when I say that I was raped during the engagement, Believe me, because I could have just said mukazet. I could have just said that it was based on an injury uh, from an external source. Where then, if I made that claim, I, w- I, I would have been able to marry a Cohen. Um, even so, even though she has that claim, Rabbi Shua says we still don't believe her. And so it's there to teach you that even in such a scenario where we should, where you might have thought that we should believe her because she has a migu, no, we don't believe her. We still don't believe her. And then why do we have our Mishnah? In our Mishnah on Gimel on 13a, so in that case, there is no Migu. She is making the claim of Mukaseh. She's making the claim that uh, that she lost her hymen based on uh, an injury. That is the claim she's making. So we don't have a Migu that she could have made a better claim. That is the better claim. So she doesn't have a Migu, and yet... Rabban Gamliel still says that we believe her. We believe her. Why do we believe her? So Rabbi Yeshua, I can understand that we don't believe her. There's no Migu. Why, according to Rabban Gamliel, do we believe her? So it must be that it's based on Bari Vishema, the fact that she knows with certainty and he doesn't, plus the fact that there must be some sort of Chazaka here. There, there must be some sort of status quo, either a status quo that as, a, as, a, as somebody who is single, she never had sexual relations, um, or a status quo that her ksuba has been 200, it remains 200, some form of status quo will help Rabbi Gamliel to, um, to put that together with Bari Vishema, with the fact that she's saying it with certainty so that we believe her. But in the end of the day, according to Rabbi Yochanan, we need both Mishnayas because 
the first Mishnah has a Migu for her. She has a Migu. She, there's a reason to believe her. And yet, Rabbi Yeshua still says that we don't believe her. And the second Mishnah is there to teach you how far Rabbi Gamliel is willing to go. Because there is no Migu in, in our Mishnah that we just mentioned. There's no Migu. And yet, Rabbi Gamliel says that we still believe her. So, we need to have both Mishnahs. Because in one Mishnah there is a Migu. In the other Mishnah there is no Migu. And it's there to teach you that both opinions still follow their positions throughout. Whether or not there's, there's a Migu. Okay. Uh, the next Mishnah will sort of go off on a, on a t- side tangent um, and not really be discussing the Ksuba per se, but we'll be discussing other very interesting issues and we'll discuss that in the next recording.